Hey everybody, thank you for joining the Grace Tabernacle podcast. Our goal is to reach our community with God's mercy, grace, and love with every podcast. We hope it will be inspirational and uplifting in your life. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Lord, you know what people have brought in here. You know what they've come in here, what burdens and weights and, and what struggles that they're fighting with. Lord, I pray that you'd open their minds and their hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd give them said, Lord, that you them. When we go through the fire, you're there. When we go you're there, Lord. When we go through anything that comes against us, you're there. You're for us. You're not against us. You're for us. In Jesus' name, I pray and I thank you for everything that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 hallelujah. I'm going to talk just for a little bit tonight. I'm going to try to bring some understanding to several of you. Uh, Those of you that may even be listening to this podcast later. I want to talk about our walk with the Lord sometimes. Sometimes in our walk with the Lord... Sometimes in our walk with God, we've repented and we've, been, and we've been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And we're trying to our best to live for the Lord. We're, we're learning and we're seeking and we're, and we're trying to help others. Trying to pull them out of the pit. Trying to speak life into areas in their life that maybe they need help in. But if we're not careful, it can sometimes be a very frustrating time in our walk with the Lord. The early phases of this walk in our Lord can sometimes frustrate us. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. I'm going to try to give you an understanding of where some of you are at, several of you are at in your walk with the Lord to give you some knowledge, to give you some understanding, and maybe open your eyes to some of the things that maybe you didn't know or even understand. This message tonight came from one of our Monday night prayer services. I was praying and seeking after the Lord for direction in, in my life, in my ministry, in, my, in what I was supposed to do and maybe a direction for the year that he wanted me to, 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 to accomplish this year for him. What, what, maybe what he was wanting me to do in my walk, in my life or in someone else's, maybe if he had someone else that I was supposed to, to focus on in prayer and interceding on their behalf or, or talking to them, uh, someone for me to pour into if, if they were ready. And he spoke the words to me right up here in the corner. He said, the sons of Issachar. to get me to go to the Word. I already knew what the sons of Issachar, who they were. But what were the sons of Issachar responsible for? What did the Lord give them responsibility for? 
It's in 1 Chronicles 12 and verse 32. And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200 and all their brethren were at their commandment. The Lord gave the sons of Issachar knowledge and understanding of the times and seasons so that Israel would know what to do. Did he, did he do this so that the sons of Issachar could become heavy, heady and high-minded or, or haughty or to think of themselves of something that they weren't? No. Did he do it so they could walk around with their chest puffed out as though they were something? No. A thousand times no. He did it so that God's people would know what they're supposed to do and so that they would have some understanding of where they were at in their walk with the Lord. He did it so that they could have some hope, so that they would understand what place they are in in their life. It's just a season that you're in for a time. That is, this is just a place that you are in right now. A place that you're going to pass through. You're going to get on the other side of it. So that you, they wouldn't give up. So that they would understand where their help comes from. That was the whole reason that the Lord blessed them with this. Why would he do this? Why would the Lord do this? Probably because the Lord has some understanding that we don't. Hosea 4 and 6. Look at this. My people are destroyed. And he's going to give you the reason why they're destroyed. It's for a lack of knowledge. It's for a lack. They don't understand where they're at. And then he goes on and he tells them, there's a consequence if you reject this knowledge. If you decide that you don't want this knowledge, he said, because you've rejected it, I'll reject you that you shall be no priest to me, seeing that you have forgotten the law of your God, I'll forget also your children. Because you're, if you reject knowledge, I'll reject you. That's what he's saying. With all of your getting, get understanding. This is what the Lord wants us to do. He knew how the enemy, the Lord knew and understood how the enemy would try and come against these people. And he knew that they would be destroyed if they didn't have knowledge and understanding. So he sent men that understood the times and the seasons that we are in 
And there's a reason for it. There's a purpose. It's to give us a word of hope. To give us an understanding. To give us the knowledge of where we are. So that the people could say to us, hey, listen. Listen. This place that you're in, it's just a time. It's just for a time. It's just for a season that you're in this place. Because the Lord, it has purpose. Because the Lord needs to teach you some things that you don't have understanding of. There are some things that you don't quite get yet. You're here in this place. You're here at this spot because you lack knowledge in an area that the Lord wants to give you knowledge and understanding in. Does this make sense? Are you with me? So let's, let's talk about what happens when we come to the Lord. Let's go back. For some of us, this may be a while. We've, we repent, okay? We're tired of living life the same way that we always have. With living in disappointment. With living in unfulfilled and tired of, and troubles constantly around. And the struggles that we always get ourselves into and our, because of our poor decisions. So we repent. We, we want to do an about face. 180 degree turn. I'm tired of this. I want to walk a new way. I, there's got to be something better. So we ask the Lord to forgive us. Only after we've come to the end of ourselves. And we repent and we turn from our ways. And I want to do what the Lord wants me to do. I want to be righteous. I want to do the right thing instead of struggling doing the wrong thing all of the time. Then the, as he leads us and guides us, we get baptized in the only saving name of Jesus Christ and the, and the blood of the Lamb is applied to our life. Our sins are forgiven and we begin to live an overcoming life. We begin to feel God's presence. We begin to feel his spirit. And we feel the love that we have longed for all of our life. We begin to feel, feel his presence. And then and only then can we really understand what true love is all about. So he fills us with his spirit. And we want everyone around us to know what he's done and the experience that we've encountered with God. The peace that we finally have that, that we didn't have before coming to the Lord. Think back, some of you, that's walked with the Lord for a while. Think back and remember when he first fills you with the Holy Ghost. How, the, how you had that peace. And you looked at everything totally different than you ever had before in your life. Think back to the time when he delivered you. He sets you free from alcohol or drugs or perversion or addictions. Think back on those times. 
The joy, we finally have joy in our life that we haven't had, that we've so longed for, that every person walking this earth has longed for the joy and the peace that only comes from the Lord. And so we, we want everyone to know this and we begin to tell everyone that we come in contact with. We begin to tell people, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to stay there. You don't, you don't have to continue to struggle with this in your life every day. You don't have to be that. You don't have to stay in bondage. You don't have to be addicted to the drugs or alcohol or the smoking or chewing, the perversion or lust that, that you can truly live and lead an overcoming life. We are so wound up and so happy. And then people, and then people begin to look at us like we're crazy. Or they don't listen to us at all. All we want is for them to walk in the freedom that we have. Our hearts are pure. It, we're doing it for the right reason. We want to see them walk in newness of life. But they don't seem to care. They don't seem to get it. And so we begin to go to our elders or a brother or sister in the faith that's been walking with the Lord for a, a little while longer than what we have. We begin to tell him how John or Bob or, or, or Sue or, or, or Karen or Betty needs delivered. They need set free. Because we feel this burden for their soul. We have this weight. We, we, we care about them. Our hearts yearn for them. And we just want to help people. But we don't like the answers that our elders are giving to us. And we begin to lash out at them and tell them that maybe you've just lost your zeal. Maybe you need to check yourself because maybe you don't have what, what, what you thought that you had at the beginning. Maybe you've become lax in your, in your way. Maybe you've lost the burden that the Lord's placed upon you. This is what we begin to think about our elders or the, our older ones in the faith. Don't you care? Don't you see the need of these people? How can you sit here and do this when there's all of these people that need set free? How can you do this? We may not say it out loud, but in our mind, our thoughts are coming against those that have led us and brought us this far. Why don't you do something? Can't you see these people are struggling? We fail to understand or remember sometimes that it may have taken five or ten years for you to get to this place. Someone prayed for you. Sometimes 
If I were to pass this microphone around in this house tonight, there's some people that's prayed for family members or sons or daughters for 15, 20, some for 30 or 40 years for the Lord to move on their behalf. Someone prayed for you. And you may not even have known it because they didn't tell you because all they cared about was your soul. And here you are. You want to come against your elder. You want to come against them. We know where we're at now. We all know where we are now. But we didn't see the hours and the times and the days of travailing prayer of someone down at an altar or walking through a house, Lord, save my family. Save my boy. Save my daughter. Save my brother. Save my son. Asking the Lord to send angels of protection to move on their behalf, to keep them safe and to save them, to save their soul to keep the enemy off of their back. We don't understand that the Lord has us in this place, in this season, in our walk with him for a reason. There is purpose. There is a cause. The season that some of you are in, several of you, is simply called a holding pattern. You're simply in a holding pattern. The best way that I know or could think of to describe what a holding pattern is is the Indianapolis airport. They have hundreds of airplanes that take flight out of there every day. Every night, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And we would all be silly to think that everything works perfect all of the time. Sometimes there's issues with a plane Maybe a plane has a, a trouble taking off. Maybe there's ice on its wings and they have to de-ice. Maybe there's uh, something that an engine quit. Maybe, maybe the fueling truck didn't, wasn't working. Maybe a pump went out on that fueling truck. Maybe a, a vehicle got stranded on the runway. Maybe uh, uh, weather conditions aren't conducive to you landing or taking off. Could be a number of things. And so the air traffic controller will get on the radio to whatever flight number it is and tell them that they can't land the plane and that they need to get in the pattern that is known as a holding pattern. This flight pattern could be several miles in length, long and wide. And they would just circle the airport or, the, or uh, the area that they need to go around and around as many times as they need to 
until whatever issues on the ground that's hindering their flight from landing can be resolved. That's it. That's what it is. And then when those issues get resolved, the air traffic controller then gets back on the radio and tells the flight, whatever flight number that they are, that they are cleared for landing on such and such runway. Then and only then can the pilot land the plane so that the passengers can safely get to their next destination. It's easy to get frustrated in this season. But like I said, the Lord's trying to teach you some things. There are some things, perhaps, that are going on with these individuals that you're trying to pour into. Things that you don't see. The Lord trying to give you understanding of how he operates in this season. That's what this season's for. So that you gain knowledge and understanding. That's the whole purpose of it. The first thing that you need to recognize is this. 2 Peter 3 and 9 says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but he is long suffering or patient to usward not willing that any should perish he's not willing that any perish but that all should come to repentance listen it is God's will to save everyone it is God's will to save everyone. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. It, you need to get this in your mind right now and, and, and cement it in there so that it sticks and stays. It is God's will to save everyone. Every person you come in contact with, it is his will to save them. Every one of them, from the addict to the preacher's kid. Every person. They get to choose, but it is his will to save them. And listen to me. You can't try to force them. John 6 and 44. No man can come to me except this Father which hath sent me, listen, draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. The, the Lord, no man can come. It's the Spirit of God that draws all men. He poured his Spirit out, he said, and pastor says this all the time. He said, this is Shad's favorite verse. <laughs> Zechariah 4 and 6 then he answered and spake unto me saying 
This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was rebuilding the church, the tabernacle. And he said, listen, Zerubbabel, what are we doing when we go out into the world? We're, we're, we're trying to reach the lost, right? We're building the church. We're trying to build the church. But there is a way that it has to happen. It, ha it can't, he said, this is the word of the Lord saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. There is a reason, pastor says, this is my favorite verse. You can't force someone. You can't beat them over the head. You can't take the Bible and stomp it all over them. It won't work. It's not gonna work. There's a reason he said it's not by might nor by power. By his spirit, not by Shad Robinson. I can't make you do anything, Peyton, that you don't wanna do. I can make no one do anything that they don't wanna do. And the Lord is constantly pulling and I had to learn this because I was in a season just like some of you where I was so excited and I wanted everybody to have what I, I drank four cases of beer a week. I chewed for 31 years. I wanted everybody to be set free. I wanted every person to be delivered. Every one of them. And so sometimes I would push a little too hard. Sometimes I would not push hard, but I would constantly talk to them and wear, and they'd get wore out, and they'd get sick of listening to it. And I pushed some away that I might have won. And so the Lord began to tell me over and over and over and over again, he would tell me these words, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. That's how it's gonna work. You're not gonna do it. You've gotta wait on me and let me do what I need to do. I'm the one, it's my kingdom. He said it to me. He's the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest. It's his church. It's his people. I'm not the Lord of the harvest. He is. I've just got to do what he tells me to do when he tells me to do it. That's what I'm responsible for. The last point that we need to get is this. Jeremiah 29, 13. He said, you shall seek me and what? Find me. When? When you search for me with your whole heart. You shall seek me and find me. When you search for me with your whole heart. This is the ground crew part. This is the part of the ground crew at the airport. This is where God knows that his or her heart that you're trying to talk to. He knows, he sees what we can't see. We see the outside, but the Lord sees bare bones. He sees intents and purposes and where they are in their walk. He knows the hidden things of a man's heart. 
and we don't. He knows if they're coming with their whole heart or if they're half-hearted. And listen to me. They can sit in that place for 10 years or 15 or 20. They can stay in that confused state thinking that they can have and serve two masters for as long as they want. I've had people that the Lord shown me that I was going to baptize 10 years, 11 years, 12 years ago. And I haven't baptized them yet. I'm holding on to the promise. I'm holding on to that promise. But James 1 and 8 tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his way. What's that mean? It means that as long as they think that they can do that, they're unstable in everything that they do. You watch them. They'll flip-flop on everything. They won't be able to make a decision and stick with one thing. They'll say this today and that tomorrow. They'll be unstable in everything that they do. And you'll know that they're, they're double-minded. They think they can serve God and serve themselves. So what does that mean that I do? What's that mean for me? It means that I'm going to keep praying while I wait. It means I'm going to keep praying while I wait, asking the Lord to keep his angels around them, to keep his hand upon them, to protect them, so that that day when that time is right comes, so that we, we know where, what we're supposed to do when that time comes. It's in his timing. I'm holding on and I'm reminding him of the promise. Lord, you showed me I was going to baptize him. I pray that you keep him, that you keep your angels around about him, even in the time that he's, that he's confused himself. Keep your hand upon him. So what are we supposed to do while we sit in this holding pattern? Hear me tonight. This is what some of you struggling with you're struggling for some direction you need some direction some understanding you're trying with everything in you to do the right thing but you're just struggling a little with some with a few little things what do you do while you're in the flight holding pattern what do you do while you're sitting here and you're just going around and around and around. You keep doing what you know to do. The Bible says that blessed is the man who remains steadfast. Do you know what that means? It means unmovable, unshakable. One that has a made-up mind. I've made up my mind what I'm doing. I'm not going back where I came from. I am not going backwards. 
I came too far to go backwards. No matter what everyone else does, I've made up my mind, I'm following the Lord, and I'm staying, and I'm holding fast to him, his word, and his promises. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. I'm not going back. Decide it tonight. Decide it now. Make a decision tonight. I'm not going back. What's next? Build your self-control. Listen to me. Learn to tell yourself no. Learn to tell yourself no. Learn to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you're not doing that, Shad. Not today. You're not doing that. You've come too far. I'm telling you no. Learn to tell yourself no. Learn self-discipline. Build good habits. Prayer. Fasting, reading your Bible. Those are good habits. That's it. Those are good habits. But in order to build good habits, they first have to have a place to reside. So tear down your bad habits. Tear down your bad habits. You may fail at this ten times. I know when I tried quitting chewing, it took seven times. When I tried to quit chewing the Lord, I would pray and ask him to help me. He first told me, I will never deliver you from something that you love. If you love it, it's a God to you. And he's not going to get in your way. But you listen to me. I prayed and I asked him, what am I supposed to do? He would show me throwing it out the window. He would show me throwing it a brand new can of chew that I bought, throwing it in the trash can. I'd throw it in the trash can. I'd quit for three months, four months, five months, six months, only to pick it back up. I said, Lord, what's going on with me? He'd show me throwing it down again. I'd do what he showed me to do. I'd throw it out the window again. This time, two, three brand new cans. Throw them all out the window. Done with it. Only to pick it up again. For seven times. Seven times. I said, Lord, you've got to help me to hate it. You've got to help me to hate it. Help me to hate it, Lord. Finally, on the seventh time, I threw it down. All the other times, I'd get terrible headaches. Terrible headaches. I'd get grouchy, bite people's heads off. 
But the seventh time, nothing. It was gone. It was gone. And he gave me the words. A righteous man falleth down seven times. A righteous man falls down seven times. What makes him righteous? That he gets up. That you get up. Even when you fail, I'm still trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to do what you're calling me to do. I'm trying to be, can you see me, Lord? I'm trying. I'm giving it my best effort. That's what makes the righteous man righteous. Is that he, not that he failed, but that he got up and tried again. So you tear down these bad habits with the help of the Lord. Next is less of me and more of you, Lord. Listen to me. David said that my cup overfloweth. Let me help you get some understanding. I am a vessel. You are a vessel. You are a cup. This is a cup. Now, some of us are shaped a little different than others, and we can hold a little more. Some of us ain't, are skinny, and some of us got a little more meat on our bones to hold a little more. But we are a cup. We are a vessel. This only holds so much. So in order for there to be more of him, there has to be less of me. I have to die out to some things so that I make room for him in my life. And you get to decide what stays. That is your choice. It is your vessel. It's your body. It's a choice. Stay disciplined. Stay disciplined. Build good habits and stay disciplined. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So stay disciplined. You can't serve two masters. And most importantly, spend time getting to know the Lord. Now listen to me. I mean really getting to know him. Sometimes we come to the Lord and we have all of this head knowledge. We've listened to preachers preach for years. Maybe we've done Bible studies. We may have even read the word ourselves. And we have all of these ideas and, and all of these thoughts that are in our head of, of who the Lord is and what he is and what he'll do. And sometimes we let uh, 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 people affect what our, our perception is of the Lord. And it's sometimes it can get in the way. So take your head knowledge and turn it into heart knowledge. That only comes through talking to him. I can't get to know you and develop a friendship if we never talk. If you and I never speak a word to each other, we're never going to. It's the same way with the Lord. If you don't talk to him, you're not going to build that relationship. You're not going to have a greater understanding of who he is. Spend time in his presence. Come to church. 
with other believers. Seek his face at home. Learn to hear his voice and feel the unction of the Holy Ghost. Pray for discernment. Pray that you would be sensitive to his spirit so that when it is time, you'll know exactly what to say and when to say it. Because I can speak a thousand words and accomplish nothing and run right over somebody's head. I can post stuff for days and nobody get it. But I can speak one word from the Lord at the exact right time and I can see someone's life changed instantly because they were ready to receive it. They were, their ground was was disked up. They had come, they had finally come to the end of their selves, to where they were wanting something better. Stand with me tonight. So what do you do while you're waiting? What do you do while you're waiting? You do what servants do. You serve. Find something to do. There's plenty of things around here that need done. There's always something around here that needs done. Pray about it. Lord, is there something that you want me to do? Maybe it's sitting in with somebody while they are giving a Bible study so that you can, can become better at giving a Bible study. What do I need to do, Lord, while I'm in the waiting, in this holding point, in this holding pattern? I've cleaned this baptismal for nine to ten years now. You can't have it. It's mine. Unless a pastor, unless a pastor tells me that it's not mine anymore. It's my responsibility. And it has a purpose. It makes me come into this church every week. Not just on Sunday or not on Wednesday. But I come in here at least once a week. And while I'm waiting on this baptismal to drain, while I'm waiting on it to fill back up, it takes about 40 minutes to drain and about 25 minutes to fill back up. While it's doing that, I'm walking this church. I'm walking these aisles. I'm not just walking. I'm praying. It makes me come into this house and I pray. I walk by Millie's seat. Lord, I pray that you'd touch Millie. I pray that you'd move on her family. I pray you'd send angels of protection around them. Lord, I pray that you'd help her. I pray that you'd lead her and guide her. Lord, I pray that your mercy would be upon her all the days of her life. Lord, I pray you'd touch her health. I see Peyton. Lord, I pray that you'd touch Peyton. 
I pray against his epilepsy, Lord. I pray that you'd set him free from all of the things that keep coming against him. It makes me come into the house and pray. Lord, I pray for the Yorks. I pray for Sister Godby and all of their family. Lord, I pray for Brother uh, uh, Randy and Tamela that you'd touch and move in, on their behalf and, and lead them and guide them and bless them, Lord. It makes me come in here because I have something to do. Because I can always find something else to do. I never have trouble finding something to do. If I do, my wife has a list. <laughs> That's the truth. Find something to do. Something to be involved with. Lord, I help you. If I didn't have that responsibility, something that simple that draws me to this church, something else would always come up. And I've prayed a lot of prayers over this church and people and, and our pastor and pastor's wife. You need to be praying for your pastor and your pastor's wife every week. Does this make sense? Did I help you tonight? There is a reason why you're where you're at. It's because he's trying to teach you. Instead of looking at the situation that you're in and, and asking, why is this happening to me? What are you trying to teach me, Lord? What am I going to learn from this? You've got to understand, he's not a God of adding and subtracting. He's a God of multiplication. In everything that he does, every seed, you plant a kernel of corn, it grows into a stalk that produces an ear of corn that has hundreds of kernels of corn. You plant a soybean, it grows into a plant that has tens or twenties of other seeds. He's, in, he's a God of multiplication. So where you're at is to teach you something so that you can help someone else because he already knows your steps are ordered of the Lord and he knows who you're going to come in contact with five years or ten years down the road and he's going to need you to be sensitive to him so that you can speak a word of faith into someone's life. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I praise you, and I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you and give you glory. I give you all the glory. I ask you to move upon your people. I ask you, Lord, to go, go before us. Go, go behind us. Go beside us, Lord. Lord, go before us and make the crooked path straight, Lord. I pray that you'd lead us and guide us. I pray that we would receive this word, Lord, so that it could change our lives and our path and our course and how we're looking at things, Lord. Lord, I give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.